Welcome to Everreal Talks, where we talk about Spokane real estate. Spokane is made up of its people, places, and history, and the business of real estate is a reflection of these. So along with talk about real estate, we'll talk about the history that's shaped us, the people that define us, and the places that make us feel at home. Hey there, Spokane. This is Matt Side with Everreal Talks, and I am continuing a conversation from our last episode with John Maroney. If you missed that episode, uh, you can find that recording on our podcast, which will be on iTunes or Spotify if you're having a hard time finding the actual podcast itself. Uh, make sure and send us an email or message us on social media. And I guess I can start the program out with that. If you need to ask us a question, ask at evoreal.com. And that's A-S-K, just like you're asking a question, <laughs> at E-V-O-R-E-A-L.com. Or search for Evoreal on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message and we'll get back to you with links for those podcasts. So uh, John Maroney with Canopy Credit Union. No, that's right. Yeah. From last week, we talked about budgeting, uh, the importance of a budget before uh, buying a home, and then we were digging into just some potential questions that uh, buyers should ask themselves before buying a home, and we were kind of immersed in the financial benefits of buying a home, and if those are financial benefits, and uh, maybe we should just start with that question, John. Uh, financially, how does someone decide if buying a ho- house is even the right financial choice for them? Yeah. Uh, I and mean, that's a complicated, yes, tangled web of a question, so good luck with that. Yeah, oh, thank you. <laughs> no. No, and it is, It is. Uh, I think the thing you should always say whenever you're, I mean, even when you're dispensing financial advice that you feel really confident in is that uh, personal finance is personal for a reason, that sure. we, we make those individual choices. And so I think, um, I think if you're looking, you know, I'll start with the general and then we'll get into some specifics. Uh, I think in general, you know, just thinking about, because again, I'm really big on, you know, how money impacts our emotions, our state of mind and our, you know, our, our physical well-being and our health. Uh, if... If purchasing a home is going to cause you to be stressed about your financial situation, it's probably the right time to wait. It's sure. probably good to wait. Save some more for that down payment. Get to the point where you feel like, man, this monthly mortgage payment I'm comfortable having for quite a long time, and I feel good about what I'm doing. Uh, so I think you always want to, you know, when you're signing when you're signing that paperwork for a house, you're going to feel great. You're going to feel awesome, especially if it's your first purchase. Sure. Um, when you get the keys, you're going to feel fantastic. But it's it's too, you know, it's like a year or two down the road where you're like, man, okay, I'm in this. This is my house. Do I still am I still going to feel good about that? Which uh, comes back to, and I apologize for oh, yeah, no, you no, off there, good. but. Uh, one of the things you talked about was um, psychologically how it impacts most people to just have cold hard cash in the bank, right. and how that creates a, a comfort. Or yes, maybe, yeah, comfort and sense. Is that, of is that kind of what you're talking yeah, about there? Exactly. Like, are you comfortable, and is this going to be a good emotional decision for you? Are you absolutely. Feel better about yourself. I mean, is that true? Am I oh, interpreting that right? No, it absolutely is. Because I mean, when you think about it, even some of our even some of our non-major purchases, we want we buy things in order to feel good about ourselves, right? Uh, we buy we buy new shoes because it makes us feel confident about our sense of style. Sure. Because people will compliment us on it. I mean, a personal example for me, I buy superhero stuff because people always comment on it. Like they'll always say, <laughs> "Oh man, your belt is so cool," and I'm like, "Thank you," and I feel cool as a result. And your home is going to be one of those things too, right? So so I think you want to be able to purchase a home that's going to allow you to enjoy that. Sure. And if it's not. You know, if because of a price point, you maybe aren't getting into what you want to be able to get into. Wait until you have the financial means in order to be able to get that house that's going to make you feel really great about the purchase. And so, so then how does that tie into the idea of buy something and fix it up? 
Oh, well, now that's a great question, right? So you, I think, you know, and you would have a ton to speak about this, but you have to know yourself as a home buyer sure. in the sense of, do you, one, do you have the skills? Do you have the time? Or do you maybe have, maybe even have the relational network that can allow you to handle a fixer upper, right? Because yeah, like, like me in Spokane, um, when I first moved here, if I was buying a house, that would not have been the right move for me. Didn't really know very many people. I uh, didn't know people in the industry. Couldn't like you know reach out to a cousin who's a contractor or anything like that. But if if you have that available to you, then that can be a great option. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, you could speak to this more than I could. Um, in terms of buying a fixer upper, does that allow you? I mean, that allows you more price price flexibility. Do we have a lot of that here in Spokane? Is that available to yeah, people? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say that. I mean, yeah. there are people out there that don't want to spend their own money to get their home in a specific condition, or mm-hmm. they can't spend that money, or whatever that looks like, and so. Buying the estate or buying the bank-owned property that's kind of just minimally livable, if you will. Sure. And I think you know we, we'd have to get into that separately from a mortgage standpoint. Sure. Like you can't buy unless you have the cash or someone that can lend you the cash or a hard money loan or something like right. that. Like right. you're going to have to buy something that's livable to get a loan. Of course, but it can be it could be dated. And I think that's one of the things that I see from people. And we we were talking off air a little bit about how often do people go over what their initial, what they thought they were going to yeah, spend initially. Yeah, they set a home purchase price and go and above is, it. Right? You know, are you willing to deal with the dated cupboards and the dated kitchen in that, you know, very solid, livable, sure. clean, good home, good neighborhood area that you want to be in type of a thing meets all your needs. Um, and yet... Are you willing to put up with the dated nature of that as an example sure. until you have the time and money and resources to do that? Absolutely. You're obviously going to pay less for a house yep. if it's uh, not in pristine, totally updated condition. Yeah, and are and and are the people who will be living in this house with you, if that's part of your experience, also down with that? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, that's my world, right? Yeah, like I sure. would have easily and happily, when I first started buying homes, I would have bought a fourplex, lived in one unit, okay, gotcha. rented it out lived there for a year, kept it as a rental, and did it over and over again until mm-hmm. I built my mini real estate empire sure. with owner-occupied financing and right. very low down payments. Right. However, the other person in my life who still is not on our radio program with us today <laughs> <That's right. laughs> uh, would have had something else to say about it. And this is really a great opportunity if I do want to talk trash about Jessica that I can <laughs> oh. because she's not here to defend well, herself. I mean, uh, your choice, <laughs> not mine. <laughs> I will see her later however, and have to answer for However, it. the wrath would be on the next time yeah. she's with me. So, but yes, you're right. It, it, sure, you might be good with that, but is the, uh, any other party yeah, for that sure. would be a part of the conversation and, and living in that home. Yeah, but what, you know, but what you're saying brings up a really important point of, um, you know, each of us, each of us has, um, whether it's a number or a percentage of our income that we're comfortable putting towards our housing. For some people, that's going to be, Fifty percent. That's on the really high range. Uh, for some people, it's as low will as twenty five. Will a bank even give you fifty percent? Do you know the answer to that question? Well, you know, so like if you know, the home itself is just going to be one element of that debt to income ratio calculation. Okay. So if your if your home is the only debt that you have, and you know, and you've been you've got a solid job history, and, and your income is is pretty good, then fifty percent is probably going to be doable. But what we know is most people that's not the only debt that they have. Sure. Um, you know, they have auto loans, they might have student loans. If they have unsecured debt, that's you know that's more concerning. And so, what what my rule is, if people are looking for a hard and fast rule, people are always looking for hard and fast rules. But <laughs> uh, I tell people, hey, if you can, can you keep your all-in housing expenses and including saving for maintenance, because that's an important piece that people often neglect. Yeah. Um, can you keep that at 35% or less of your 
take home pay. That's that's what I encourage people to think about. So, you know, if you know, it's, you know, simple example because I'm not great at math. If your take home pay monthly is ten thousand bucks a month, one congratulations to you because you're doing great. But <laughs> but two, you know, so that would be thirty five hundred bucks, right? right? That's 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 what you have to spend. So. Um, if you're looking at, you know, if you're looking at the numbers and you're like, oh, there's no way I can do 35%. Remember, it's it's a general rule. It's not something that you have to do. And there are, and you know, you you can have options down the road where you know your mortgage payment isn't always going to necessarily be that high. Maybe you're going to buy and in you know three to five years rates do a cool thing and you can refinance. So sure. you know, just because you're locked in at that rate doesn't mean you're stuck there. So, but when people are looking for, can I like, can I literally just financially afford? I say, hey, look at you know, is it 35% or less of my take home pay? And, and so that includes also, like, I would also include your utilities in that. Uh, you know, if you're doing a mortgage, most people are doing their insurance. They, you know, they're taxes escrowing. And insurance yeah, taxes and insurance, that, exactly. Yeah. So, um, but then also maintenance on that. So, you know, that's one of the things that people should always be thinking about, especially if you're transitioning for the first time from being a renter to being an owner. Um, maintenance sure. is something you got to take care of. And uh, this is, you know, this is what I've experienced with my real estate. And, you know, what I've heard, what I've learned is, you know, budget about 1% of the value of the home per year. So if it's 250,000 is what the value is, 2500 is what you should either save or you should sp- you'll be spending on maintenance or you should be saving that amount each year. That seems so, fair. Yeah, so that's about, you know, that'd be about 200 bucks a month or so. Yeah. So so but you got to add that on top of your mortgage. But yeah, the thing absolutely. is, a lot of people don't save for it and then the home has a, you know, hot water heater goes out or maybe it's a really big thing like your pipes burst and you got flooding which isn't going to be covered by standard homeowners insurance by the way. Uh, or you have to replace a roof. Um you know, you want to be saving over time for those things so it's not as big of a hit to your to your bottom line when it comes up. Because houses, although they're assets, they they break down, they get older, and yeah, stuff wears out. So yeah, there's money that's going out by owning a home. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, I, and I found on this again, Matt, I would be curious what your experience has been um, on that. You know, people who are choosing to spend more than what they initially budget for. You know, like. Not not what their loan officer will approve them for, but just like, yeah. hey, you know, I set out like two hundred fifty thousand. Don't show me anything that's over two hundred fifty thousand. I found that about thirty percent at least of homeowners are paying more for a home than they initially intend to. And again, I'm just asking for your off the top response. What would you What do you think? My number would be higher. Than okay, that. I wondered if that was the case. Where did you get your number? Uh, I got that from oh gosh, it was an article on Business Insider. Okay. But, um, um, and again, I, mine isn't quantified. No, mine's I totally just get that. Experience, yeah. but it seems like most people have this initial, well, we're approved up to X dollars, but we'd really like to only buy up to Y because sure. it stays in a really comfortable. Yeah. And then the problem is we get out into the market and they see what Y looks like, and they're like, well, wait a minute. This isn't like I see on HGTV. Yes. <laughs> yes. And you're right. It probably isn't sure. because they're spending a lot more than probably appears on HGTV. Yes. To Let's get talk about that, that right? And so <laughs> – yeah, I would say it's probably higher than that. Mm-hmm, sure. So, what's your response to that? Like, what? So, I'm I'm a new buyer. Yeah. And I'm like, well, geez, I just this. I'm not I'm not seeing what I want. Sure. And my bank said I can get more. Mm-hmm. Should I or? Yeah. That's, what's What's the decision, John? What's yo. the <laughs> What choice should I make? Ah, uh, that's a that's a wonderful question. I think. Um, you know, the choice is obviously yours. Uh, like I said earlier, and that's not me trying to be non-committal. That's just the reality. Sure. If it if it's me personally, and and I should give this with the caveat of I've never bought a primary residence. I've only ever bought investment property. So you view it from a very different lens when you're doing that. What I hope I will do is say, hey, you know what? I'm gonna have to commit to this budget that I set out. But I understand. Um, hey, if you find that dream place and you're thinking, hey, this is the forever home, 
you're likely to make that choice to, to, to up the ante, to increase that price, take on more, take on more of a mortgage. And so I think, I think the right choice is, uh, it, it's, it's, it's going to be individual. But it's as individual as the absolutely. house itself, right? Yeah. And, the, and the people involved. And I think that my hope with this conversation, John, is that we encourage buyers out there to really make a very thoughtful and aware absolutely. decision. Yeah. And, and to understand, well, if I'm saying yes to this, what am I saying no to? That's exactly I think that's it. really important. I mean, that's in life in general. A, a mentor of mine years and years and years and years ago said that, and it's a phrase that I bring up to myself on a regular basis is, okay, Matt, if you're saying yes to this, then what are you saying no to? Whether right. that's time with my family or whatever those opportunities mm. might be. And, and buying a home and the price point that you're paying is no different. If I'm going to say yes to an additional $300 a month that I didn't really want to spend initially, mm-hmm. what am I saying no to? And maybe it's things that you're willing to say no to because this is the perfect home in in this period in, in absolutely. life. And absolutely. And so, um, so that, that's my hope is that yeah, they're, they're more thoughtful. people are more thoughtful in making that decision versus you know just kind of th- throwing it out there. And I think that's probably the best answer that you could give for something like that is – and, and just know yourself ahead of time. Like, if you see that perfect that perfect house, are you the person who's going to say, you know what? Yes, I will up my budget in order to pay for that. Sure. Or no, I'm not going to be that person. That's that's where knowing yourself ahead of time is, is going to be so vital. Think of, you want to think about these things way before way before they happen. But the problem is, you know, a lot of us don't think about it, and so sure. we make we make often an impulsive decision in the moment. So, but you're absolutely right. Uh, I, I wager if I was faced with my dream house and I'd set a budget, as much as I'd like to think, I'd say, nope, I just can't square it. If my if my wife and I are like this is it like this is it we we probably would go for it like yeah, if that's I'm fair. and I and I think that's yeah. where most people end up that do make that decision yeah, and sure. why it feels like it's a higher percentage yeah sure sometimes I think people think they can get more than they can for their purchase and so they're like that's well really common. here's what we're paying for rent right now and we'd like to keep it the same yeah and um, that isn't always the case like the capacity to to do that and get for what sure you want isn't always absolutely there. yeah so all right we're gonna get ready to take a break here. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about renting versus buying and maybe some unconventional thoughts on how to approach that. Sure. Have a little discussion and dialogue about that. If you have questions for Jessica or myself, please email us at ask at evoreal.com. That's E-V-O-R-E-A-L.com. Or find us on Facebook or Instagram by searching Evoreal and send us a message and we will either answer it on air or get back to you directly. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Matt Side on Everreal Talks, and I'm here with John Maroney, yeah. Canopy Credit Union, and we're talking about money, money, money. Yes, we are. Uh, all right, so let's jump back, or let's jump into the conversation, because I promised everybody last week that we'd talk about it. Mm-hmm. Rent versus buy, what's your perspective? Yeah, yeah so, um, and I'll give this caveat uh, that I am someone who's never owned a primary residence. So I talked about real estate earlier. It's all investment properties, so I've got a lot of experience renting. Uh, so I think a lot of things to consider. Um, are you, you know, from a financial perspective, uh, there's the obviously the the expenses you have to take into account when you're an owner that you don't have to when you're a renter, right? Uh, renter's insurance is a lot cheaper than homeowner's insurance, uh, and so that's you know that's a key thing that you gotta you gotta consider. Um, uh, maintenance, like that's that's something I think that uh, in, and in so many different areas, like like. Great, great example. Let's say you're, you know, you're living in an apartment, one bedroom, one bath here in Spokane, and then you upgrade, you know, you upgrade to a house, or you know, you upgrade to a house that's got like a lot of landscaping. Are you 
Are you willing to take that on yourself? Like, right. if what if what if your lawn requires a rider mower? Like, you want, do you want to be doing that yourself? Now, some people totally love it. Like, my brother-in-law, when they bought their place, they went from a small yard up to a rider mower. He was all about it. Like, it was, he was awesome. But um, that's something. And if you're not going to pay for that, your if you're not going to do that yourself, that's going to come at a at a pretty pretty penny. Um, oh, uh, absolutely. That type of stuff's not cheap. I mean, you know, right? I mean, with with all the stuff that you guys... I mow my own lawn. That's what I'm saying. That's how expensive <laughs> that is. <laughs> that's how expensive that is. And I'll, I'll, Remember, I, though, from our previous episode, Mac Frugal. That's Mac... Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. You're not hiring that out, right? Um, and, and just, uh, you know, maintenance and upkeep. When you are a renter... Uh, you look at the space that you live in from a vastly different perspective than you will when you own the house in the sense of obviously, you know, uh, you're going to have to replace stuff that breaks, but you're going to want probably quality, more quality, high quality stuff in your home when you transition from being a renter. Like when you're a renter, floors are all scuffed up, cabinets are functional but not beautiful. Um, maybe, you know, or maybe one, maybe you're missing like a cabinet door somewhere. When you're a renter, you don't really care. It's like, whatever, man. Like, that's my, my house. That's exactly it. It's my landlord's <laughs> problem. Or even just hanging up stuff on the walls and things like that. Like, you're, you're going to care less. You just will, naturally. When it becomes yours, both the, the monetary value that you assign to it and the intrinsical, intrinsic emotional value is different. So you're not going to be down with the, like, missing cabinet door. Well, maybe you are, but most people won't be. Um, so you won't be down with that. You, you may think, man, okay, this, this house I just bought, it's got, it's got linoleum in the kitchen, and when we bought it, I thought, oh, that, that's totally fine. I, I can be down with that. But, you know, you've, you've lived there for about a month, and you're like, man, it's time for us to get some new It's time for us to get some new flooring in here. Like, we need to do something different. And then, you, you know, someone's presenting you with this high-quality, you know, vinyl, looks like hardwood floors, more affordable, or like hardwoods themselves. Right. You know, what are you going to do? You're, you're probably going to go with the hardwoods. Right. So, so, again, there's, there's, there's the direct, you know, cost you can anticipate, and there's, but there's also all those unforeseen costs that you can't think of. The direct cost, maintenance is the biggest one, right? When something breaks and it's yours, you have to fix it or you have to live with it not functioning. Right. Um, uh, insurance uh, going to be more expensive on the house, even though that's rolled into your mortgage payment. Again, that's that's how it's going up. Um, utilities, if your utilities have been included as a, as a renter, you might not know what it costs to uh, to power that house, to heat that house. Um, what type of heating does it have, right? If you've got baseboard heating, you know, and it's it's gonna yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna cost and you. you. <laughs> so so as a buyer, you need to do research on Absolutely. that. And that comes back to what we were talking about in our last episode about budget. Like you need to understand what the living yeah. expenses are that are happening here. Exactly. You know what are you know contacting Avista and finding out the yep. average electric and gas yeah. for that property. Right. And, and you, if it's and if it's an oil furnace, which there aren't that many left. Yeah, sure, but thank goodness. But what is um you know, what's an average on that? Sure. I'm trying to figure out what your average expense is going to be there. And the reality is is that uh, different oil companies, some of them won't you have to buy it all at once. Yeah. Like oh yeah. Yeah you can't do it on a monthly basis. $1, bill yep. to fill your oil tank for part of the winter. Right, exactly. Uh, and, and something else that, uh, you know, we talked about budgets in the last episode, but um, what I'd encourage you to do if you're a renter and you're, you know, and you're, you're pretty serious about becoming a homeowner, like you're, create your budget and uh, create your budget as if you were the homeowner already. So, for instance, use those figures. If you're like, hey, right now my rent is, uh, is 900 bucks, but I'm thinking I'm going to go up to a mortgage payment of $1,200, make your budget now with 1200 bucks going towards your mortgage. Is and then look at all those numbers, and then how do you feel about those? Again, yeah, you're, you're, probably, you're probably still going to make it, right? You're, the numbers are probably still going to add up for you. But think, okay, if you're running that much tighter of a margin, how does that make you feel? Are you stressed out? Can you still save money for your emergency fund and then also for maintenance for that house? Um, this is uh, was one of my financial coaching clients that actually gave me this idea, and I was like, 
that is so smart. Like, imagine if you've lived on that homeowner's budget for a period of like six months while you're ready to, to getting ready to buy the home. Oh, interesting. Yeah, you know, this is what they did before they purchased the home. I was like, that was so smart because you know I can absolutely afford this. Like, I'm not worried at all because I've been living in it for six months already. Right. What they did is, you know, so their rent was less than what their mortgage was going to be. They just put that money into savings. And so, but they knew, okay. I can actually afford this because I'm affording it right now. Yeah. yeah. So, so you're you're living on the the new budget before you need to live exactly on the new it. budget. Yep. So you either get used to it or decide that it's not something that you want. Yeah, to you're you're kind of test driving it out and you're giving yourself a and then that will show you okay, so that mortgage that new mortgage amount that I have in mind is really going to work for me because it feels super comfortable, feels really doable. Or okay, I might need to adjust it a little bit because like I'm making it but that's tight. Like how would I handle if something unusual came up? Yeah. So yeah, that I think is one of the one of the best pieces of advice I could give to a renter is create the home buying budget now and live on it for uh, yeah for even at least three months, ninety sure. days. Can you can you afford that? Can you make that work? So yeah, I think that um, you know I'm trying to think if there are other things in the you know you know going from renter to homeowner. Um, I mean that covers most of the major expenses. Why would I not want to buy? Like why would I want to be stay a renter? You know that's a great question. Uh, I, actually, one of the things that uh, sometimes people don't consider is if if buying your home is not going to allow you to continue to save on a regular basis, both cash savings and also saving for retirement, that's something that you might want to consider. Like, and you can do this calculation for yourself. So, for example, you know, you know what your rent, if you know what your rent is going to be and you know, okay, here's what I think a theoretical mortgage payment would be based on the price point I'm looking at. What if I were to take that extra that I'm going to be paying towards a home and invest it in my retirement? You know, you can use that average stock market return, like 7% or something, and see, okay, who ends up being financially better off? And I've done that for a couple of people, and it's just an illuminating experience to see, like, okay, you're renting, so you're not, you're not getting that equity, right? You're not buying the house, but in the end, might you end up more, fi- you know, financially better off? And it depends. If you're getting that appreciation that we've had here, well, that, yeah, that I could be the case. But and I think you could argue... The other side as well, right? Like Absolutely. the average stock market return of 7% ah, yes. is also a ton of ups and a ton that of downs. Is a good point. And so yeah. I think you need to look and say, okay, in my market over the last 50, 60, 100 years, what's the real estate market sure. done on average? And add that in too, because if I'm looking, and I'm truly not arguing for buying a house, because oh, well. I mentioned it earlier that you do you. I mean, what's sure. the best decision for you and your family? And, but I but I think you can't, like if I'm looking at some of the things like why someone would want to buy a house, and yes, I believe that appreciation should potentially be more of the icing on the cake than what you're counting on. Right, yeah. But that is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. And, you know, cash in the bank, Other some would argue that cash in the bank is constantly becoming lower and lower in its value that's simply true. due, due to inflation. Right. So You're my right. dollar today is not the same as my Absolutely. dollar tomorrow. Absolutely, it's purchasing power. And so having those dollars in an equitable form inside of your home point, yeah. at least follows the inflation of um, the market in yeah, general. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and I think, I think one of the questions you can ask yourself as a renter, and you, that's such a good point, uh, is am I actually taking advantage of being in a potentially better financial situation? Because, like, for instance, like, let's say you're renting right now and you're paying less than you would if you, you know, bought a house, but are you taking advantage of sure. the difference? Because if you're not, then that would be a great reason to purchase a house. Sure. Because Cause it's a forced savings account, which bingo. is another one of my, like, there's three items that I kind of put on here that I would say, okay, these are big positives for buying. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, 
paying your loan down. Yeah, for sure. So every month you have to make a payment. That's exactly and a that. part of that payment goes toward paying down the loan, which Absolutely. gives you more equity in your house. So for a savings account, if yep. you're not disciplined enough to do it on your own, which I would surmise most of our society is not. Fair, um, fair, fair assumption. Fixed monthly, if you are if you get a fixed mortgage payment, yep. which you know is what a totally different conversation. And in this Spokane rental market, rents are going up as fast or faster than mortgage payments. That's true. Yep. And so you're going to have a fixed monthly on that versus not knowing in a year if your landlord is going to raise your rent $150 or so. Mm -hmm. Um, And then at the end of the day, if it's a place that you live in long term or you roll into the next property, like actually having an asset or an inheritance that you can either, that you can pass on to your children, which stocks and savings and cash and all that kind of stuff can as well. But I think it has to be a part of the conversation. Oh, I think you're absolutely right. And, and, and when when I talk with people, I I do find myself coming down more often on the side of I, I would encourage you to consider buying um, because I know that most people are not going to take advantage of the fact that their rent payment is lower if it is. Mm-hmm. And especially if it's not, then, hey, if, if you can get into that house and you you know, you know you're going to be able to handle it, that's going to be a financial benefit for you. Because, again, if, if at nothing else, let's say your home doesn't appreciate even a cent, which, again, is, is unlikely to happen. You're again. You're socking that money away. That's going towards an asset, and so that is right. Uh, that's a real even if it thing. stays even. That's exactly it. Yeah, because you're forced to pay down that mortgage, mm-hmm. the value of that property, unless it goes the other direction. Sure. Um, which is unusual and usually right? short term. Yep. In in a you know most worst case scenarios, um, you you've got something that's going in there. So yeah, and it's you know it's in a way buying a house is kind of similar to like being forced to pay into Social Security. Social Security, for all our complaints and issues we may have with it, it's pretty effective because it forces people to save for their retirement. Sure. And a home kind of does a similar thing, which is really powerful. And I and trust me, I'm all about things that force you to save. Like sure. I'm a big fan of that. If you can if you can create that in your world, that's that's going to be a financial benefit for you. But one other thought on the pro side of renting that I yeah. would say is if you don't know where the future is going to have you, selling a house shortly after you buy it is is a bad idea. Yeah, it is. Because your costs of selling are, unless you're in a market that's screaming up in appreciation sure. and even 10% a year is not usually enough yeah, to, for a one to year cover turnaround. all of that in a single year. Yeah. Uh, and that's a good appreciation number. So that would be another thought. If you're not sure where the next couple few years are going to take you, then maybe that is a good time to continue to to rent. Unless you have the plan of holding that as an investment property and that's part of your plan in the future because sure, yeah. you could do that. So. Because flexibility and freedom, that that's what renting offers you. And for some people, that has a very tangible monetary value. Like, yeah. this is what freedom is worth to me. Like, yeah. yeah. And so that that's really something you have to consider as well. So uh, any other thoughts as we're getting ready to wrap up here? Um, I think there was a, a one or two other things that you wanted to bring oh, up and just well, have a conversation around. Hey, you know, I, yeah, I think, the, I think the last thing that I'll say, just to, just to wrap up, is uh, whatever your um, attitudes, your thoughts, your philosophy, your temperament, as it were, on money, that's going to be amplified and brought to the surface when you go through this home buying process because, because of the significance of that decision. So it is just so valuable to do some important – to do some introspection on, okay, what do I believe about money? What does it represent for me? Um, and w- what causes me to feel free in the area of money and what causes me to feel stressed? Because if you've done that, then when this happens, when you get to this home purchase, uh, you're going to be ready to process those inevitable emotions that come up. That's good. Yeah, yeah, well, I so. appreciate you sharing that, John. Thank you so much for being with oh, us. Thanks for having me, man. This it's week been awesome. and last. Um, 
Thank you, everyone, for listening to Everreal Talks. I am Matt Side, and next week we will have Jessica Side back here with me. Uh, to reach out to us, feel free to email ask at everreal.com. You can call us at 509-62-HOUSE or visit our website at evoreal.com. And, of course, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. And until next week, have a great time out there.